0: Alright, here we go. So, third and last session, we want to talk about rest. Resting your soul. And as I look around this room, I know that there are people in this room who do this better than I do, better than Bethany and I do, that we've learned from. And there are, there are some topics that you teach on because you are far down the road by god's grace and you can look back and help others catch up on the other topics that you teach on because you're wanting to go farther (laughs) and that's the case here for us we're learning things about how to weave in patterns of life-giving rest into our weeks and broader patterns as well and we want to learn more so this is in part an effort for us to grow and learn from you all too so we've heard from sam we've heard from ross about what we might think of as daily habits, daily habits of grace. And they are, in a sense, daily habits of rest, too, because the deepest rest, as we're going to talk about, is not mental or emotional or physical or relational, but spiritual. And what we're doing when we come to the Word, what we're doing when we come to God in prayer, is we're finding rest for our souls. And now this, what we're going to talk about here, is more of a weekly habit. So we're going to focus in on what would it mean, what would it look like to rest your soul on a weekly basis in a way that refreshes you and sends you back into the rush of life, feeling ready to pour yourself out again. And each of these habits is grounded and illustrated for us in the life of Jesus. Have you ever asked why Jesus, who was so busy, never showed signs of burning out? And in part, it's because he was filled with the Spirit to the uttermost. He was the Son of God, is the Son of God. But we also see in Jesus the fully human life, a pattern for us to imitate by the Spirit's power. And one of the things we see is that Jesus was not only a busy man, but he was a reading and meditating man. See that in the temptations in the wilderness? It is written, it is written, it is written. The Word of God dwelled in him richly. Jesus was a praying man. You see that all over. Luke 5 tells us he would go into, in the, you know, suggesting a regular practice, he would go into desolate places and pray. And Jesus was a resting man. He would have observed the weekly Sabbath as an observant Jew of the time. And then in addition to that, you see him specifically call his disciples outside the rush of ministry into Uh, times of rest. Come and refresh yourself for a while, he tells them in Mark 6. So busyness is one thing, and there are probably ways each of us can think carefully about how can we make life less busy. But busyness is often not the main issue when it comes to burning out in life and ministry. Often one of the main issues is busyness without boundaries. Busyness that is just kind of a constant flow and there's never there's never the full stop you know life is uh, after the pattern of Jesus is a go hard rest hard go hard rest hard and often what our lives look like is go 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 slow down sort of kind of rest go 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 and there's not those clear boundaries so one of the ways God is going to keep us over the long haul is not merely by taking away some busyness which could be good but by filling our busyness with life-giving boundaries. So in this short time, we're gonna look briefly at a theological foundation for pursuing habits of rest. And then I wanna get practical and talk about three steps that each of us might consider taking um, by ourselves and with our families. So first, theological foundation. I'm gonna ask some people to read some of the passages that are on the handout that I gave you. I think I'll just call on people. Can somebody read um, Genesis one fourteen? Jerry, would you do that for us? And God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years." Allie, could you read the next passage, Genesis two? Thank you. So one of the things we see in these two passages is that in the beginning, when God created the world, he created a world with rhythms. Day four, Genesis 1.14, God wrote into the heavens the pattern of day and month and season and year. He could have made a world without rhythms if he wanted to, just the one world of endless day. Instead, he made into the fabric of creation itself patterns of um, go and patterns of stop. You have to stop when the sun goes down and that sort of thing. And then on day seven, he added one more rhythm that's not taught in the stars, but is taught by his own example. And that is a rhythm of weekly rest. So right there in Genesis 1, God is saying, this world is a world with rhythm. And days four and day seven ultimately serve day six. Day six is when God makes Adam, God makes Eve. This is a world with rhythm because we are creatures who are made of dust and who are limited and finite and easily tired. So we need day four and we need day seven if we, the creatures of day six, are going to live in the world rightly as God created us to. Now fast forward to Exodus, So in the first chapters of Exodus, we are in a totally different world than Genesis 1 and 2. And one of the reasons we know is because there's no mention in Exodus 1 to 11 of weeks or months or seasons or years. But the only impression we get is a life of endless workdays with Israel in slavery under Pharaoh. So can somebody read the <clears throat> Exodus 5 passage? Oh, was, thank you. So, Pharaoh is the opposite of God, the God of Genesis 1-2. to He doesn't look at creatures made of dust and help them find habits of life-giving rest. Instead, he sees people who are just, their, their worth is tied to what they can produce. And therefore, all, they, all he gets from them, all he demands of them are workdays. Now, watch what God does when he redeems Israel. Exodus 12 when God is giving uh, instructions for the Passover, all of a sudden, now you get rhythm again. God tells Moses that there's gonna be an annual festival. And then in Exodus 16, he reminds them of his own pattern in creation and he gives them the Sabbath day. So when God creates people, he creates them into rhythm. And when he saves people, he saves them back into life-giving rhythms. And here the heart of God in Exodus twenty-three. Charlotte, could you read that one for us? Six days you do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. It's beautiful to see the difference between Pharaoh and God, isn't it? And in line with the passage in Leviticus that we saw earlier. God looks on not only the people that are usually overlooked, but also animals. And he says, uh, I want them to be refreshed. And so he gives them these rhythms. So the Sabbath, even though it would have um, required some extra planning and that sort of thing, it was not an obligation for the people of Israel. And uh, those who had eyes to see would not have felt it as an obligation coming out of slavery. The Sabbath was an invitation to come out of a restless world of endless work days and to come back into a world of rhythm a world of rest, a world where you are a human again in God's world. So we're not under the old covenant anymore. It's not directly laid on us to uh, follow a a pattern of seasonal festivals or annual celebrations or even uh, a literal Sabbath, you know, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday or something like that. But what we learn from these two passages, Genesis and Exodus, is one We are creatures. And what it means to be a fully human creature in God's world, one of the things it means is to live under the rhythms that he has made in creation. And then number two, what we see is that when God saves people, he welcomes them back into that fullness of humanity again. Grace doesn't destroy our humanity. Instead, grace restores our humanity. And so what it means to be a person under grace, in part, is to be a person in the rhythms that God made. Okay. So let's shift now to think about some practical application, building from that theology. I want to talk about three ways that each of us could pursue a life of more uh, healthy rhythms, because we probably don't need to convince you that our world, increasingly so, is one that is rhythmless, in part because of technology that kind of invades all of life. You know, you used to leave your work at the office, now you... Take your work home with you in your pocket. In part because of our culture. Sunday used to be a day that was more set apart. Now, basically anything you want to do on Monday, you can do on Sunday now too. And so it's going to take work for us as the people of God to live as the kind of people he made us to be. Not only in creation, but also in redemption under salvation in Jesus. So number one, set boundaries. You can think about these three Suggestions uh, under the image of a garden. <clears throat> so the first thing we can think of, setting boundaries is like putting up a fence around a plot of land to keep out, you know, animals or other things. It's it's creating a protected space that then you can work on from there. So the first step is to set boundaries. Pick a time in the week where you could realistically say this part of the week is going to be different not going to have work and life as normal but we're going to have it be special it's going to be a time of rest it doesn't have to be a period of exactly you know 24 hours but i think just from personal experience and the example of god in scripture that i think it could be helpful for it to be that but again, it doesn't, I don't think, need to be. But either way, don't leave it up to saying, I'll rest when I find time, or I'll rest when I, you know, uh, life isn't as crazy. Uh, as we saw from the life of Jesus, rest isn't a luxury for those who aren't busy and find time to rest. It's, it's a necessity, because life isn't going to get any less busy uh, for a lot of us. So it's not ever going to get to a point where are like, oh, I'm not very busy anymore, I can rest now. So whether it's Friday morning, or Thursday afternoon and evening, or sundown saturday to sundown sunday plan get together with your family and think well, what would it be like to set aside this time specifically for rest <clears throat> and then once you do expect that you're going to face resistance yeah that's right can somebody read uh, exodus 34 tony could you read that passage exodus 34 21 wait you said oh there it is mm-hmm. um six days Time and in, harvest you shall rest. in plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. God anticipates the objection. Oh, no, no, not right now. This is the busiest time of year. Everything depends on this right now. He anticipates it and says, even then. Even when it feels like the most is on the line in your life, rest. Take the Sabbath. And I like this quote from Kevin DeYoung from a really helpful book called Crazy Busy, if you want to dig more into Um, some similar topics. He says, God gives us Sabbath as a gift. It's an island of get to and a sea of have to. He also offers us Sabbath as a test. It's an opportunity to trust God's work more than our own. So when you feel that uh, resistance and be like, ah, maybe I I shouldn't rest today. Maybe I really need to get this work done. Perhaps consider it as an opportunity to say, God, you know what you're doing. in inviting me to rest and I'm going to trust that there's going to be time, that you, there, will, there will be time for this. And then lastly, uh, th- that doesn't mean that there's iron, you know, some kind of ironclad law that you cannot do uh, any kind of normal work on the Sabbath, but um, keep exceptions exceptions. That if you find that you're often breaking the pattern of rest that you set beforehand, then it may be that um, your idea of what is truly urgent is a little bit off. All right, so set boundaries. You've you've, uh, planted or you've put a fence around a plot of land, but putting up a fence isn't enough. Now you need to pull out some weeds and plant some seeds in this garden for it to bear fruit. So number two is refresh yourself. So a day off does not equal a day of rest any more than putting up a fence equals a garden. And once you put up that boundary, now you need to think, okay, what, what is this going to look like? Uh, and the suggestion here is to rule out and rule in. And I would, I would think it would be helpful even to write these things down. Get together yourself with a spouse um, and think, okay, what are some things we are got, going to rule out on this day or this time? And what are some things we're going to rule in? What are we going to abstain from and what are we going to engage in so that this is truly refreshing. Can somebody uh, read Exodus 31 17? The Sabbath is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Yeah, isn't that sweet? That, that's the goal. the The goal is refreshment, not only a day off, but refreshment. Going back in refreshed. So some ideas for things to rule out, I think it would be wise to consider ruling out digital technologies in some way. Ross, you talked about that. Uh, I think that's true for our prayer life. Probably the phone is one of the biggest uh, hindrances and definitely to a day of rest or a time of rest as well. I was talking with Daniel the other day and you guys just saying that uh, you're, you're, for you and Kate, the best times are when the phone is upstairs the whole day mm-hmm. and I feel that too. So doesn't necessarily need to be that, but maybe just think, what are some ways to curb digital technologies on this day? And then some things to rule in. Um, I really like this. There's this Christian philosopher who, who talks about something called a focal practice. And here's how he describes it. It's an activity that has a commanding presence, engages your body and mind, and engages you with others. So playing music, fishing, handwriting a letter cooking a meal, something that is using your body and connecting you socially. And the last thing to say here on this point number two is obviously we're gonna have to be realistic about what stage of life we're in and that this isn't a solo pursuit. <laughs> so um, it, Bethany and I aren't, ta- you know, if, if we're each trying to do what is each most maximally, personally refreshing, then we're gonna, we're gonna butt heads. Part of this is uh, I'm needing to seek to refresh her and vice versa, and we're thinking about our, our boy and that kind of thing. So I'm not talking about, you know, a fantasy world of, you know, just pick, up, pick your dream day and do that every week. But taking all factors into account, talking with family, figuring out what are the limitations, what are the things we have to do in order to, you know, care well for one another. Within those boundaries, what would it look like to rule out those things that drain you and to rule in those things that refresh you? individually and as a family. All right, last. So, set boundaries, you put up the fence, um, refresh yourself, you've thought about, okay, what weeds are you gonna pull, what seeds are you gonna plant? But none of that matters unless the soil is good. And so the third one is worship. The deepest rest, like we talked about, is not mental, it's not physical, it's not emotional, it's not relational. The deepest rest is physical, or physical. The deepest rest <laughs> is spiritual. It's not physical. It's physical. Okay. <laughs> the deepest stress is spiritual, and I love how God just writes this in, even to the Ten Commandments. So, uh, Hannah, could you read Exodus twenty two to three? I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then, um, Katie, could you read Matthew eleven twenty eight? So you can see the pattern in both of these. The first commandment to worship no other gods before the true God, before Yahweh, comes before the commandment to rest. And Jesus, when he is inviting people to rest, before he says, I will give you rest, he says, come to me. So there's a pattern here. The rest is always after worship and in the context of worship. You shall have no other gods before me and in that context of God alone, having him as our one thing, then the Sabbath is truly refreshing. And coming to Jesus, knowing him as the one who bears our burdens of sin, especially, but all other burdens too, that is the way that he gives us rest in him. So practically, the action step is to think of some way to fill and surround a time or a day of rest with God, with worship, in a special way. This is a a good reason for why a lot of people try to do Sunday as a day of rest because it's built in, a a time of corporate worship. Uh, But it doesn't have to be Sunday. It can be a different time. And what would it look like on that day? Let's say, you know, Friday or, or Saturday is your day. What would it look like to frame this whole day and fill this whole day with some special worship of God? Whether having a more extended time at the beginning and end of prayer or going on a prayer walk, or as a family getting into the word in a longer, for a longer time together. Either way, <clears throat> what God does when he takes us out of the Egypt, of um, the inhuman life of just go, 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 is when he reminds us, when he takes us out of there, he reminds us that he is God, Pharaoh is not God, and the God of the universe doesn't require us to make bricks without straw. He doesn't require us to go, 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 and to treat every day as a workday. Instead, he invites us into rhythm. And one way we worship him is by laying down normal work, trusting him that he can provide for us on this day or during this time, and worshiping him. So...